Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash Patchwork Heart Ministry today. live tonight we are live so uh, good to have you out there tonight um, we've got three great speakers we're going to be uh, and, they're, and they're from from all over the all over the country we've got one from Ontario Canada one from uh, Den uh, uh, Colorado Springs Colorado and Cleveland uh, Ohio so uh, the name of our conference tonight is uh, pray hope and don't worry and those were the words of those were the words Yes, we're live right now. Um, those are the words of, uh, of Padre Pio. And so uh, those are tonight we want to talk on uh, those that theme, especially surrounding it with the uh, pandemic that is uh, uh, that we're part of, which is just historical in nature. And we'll talk about that, too, as we go along. Uh, I want to bring on our first guest here, though, and, and uh, his name is uh, Alan Smith, all the way from uh, Ontario, Canada. And Al's uh, got quite the resume here, so uh, let me just uh, go through a little bit here. Uh, Executive Director for the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Mission Society of Canada. He's also a board member for the Foundation of Prayer for Priests. Um, he's another board member for Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Foundation in Peoria, Illinois. Uh, he's done TV, radio, social media. And uh, and he even takes out the trash too. He does everything. How you doing, Al? There's more. I'm well, Joe. That's I'm well. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and um, I, again, my day job. I have a day job. I'm I'm the gas man. So, um, <laughs> you know, this has always been how God has a sense of humor that He takes a plumber from Canada, and He puts him on the world stage. And I share Bishop Sheen's writings all over the world. But I still, this is my day job. Uh, the gas man, pray, trust, don't worry. Uh, I've been wearing this for 25 years. So, um, I think it just when you announced the name of the conference, uh -huh. pray, hope, don't worry. I thought. I'm going to wear my clothes, my work clothes to work, because uh, uh, we're going to share that message with everybody tonight. Hey, I, I want to just mention one thing real quick. I want to give you a little plug, because you wrote this book here. I want to put it up for a second. I, I've been reading it. It's called The Cries of Jesus from the Cross. I got it on Amazon. I didn't get it on your website. I got it on Amazon. It was cheaper. And uh, But it's an excellent, uh, excellent book. Uh, you just can't put it down. Uh, anywhere you just I just open it up I start reading all of that uh, wisdom from Fulton Sheen uh, just comes through 
uh, so so much depth. And you put that together, so you did an excellent job. So I wanted to plug that so people should go to Amazon, please, and, and purchase that book. It's excellent. Yes. And, uh, you know, I saw the wisdom of Sheen that uh, he wrote 66 books, and uh, I've had the privilege to read almost all of them. And uh, I try to save people some time and say, uh, of all of his writings, you need to have his writings on the seven last words. Uh, there's things there for everyone. Uh, that book contains advice on how to deal with difficult people, how to turn away from the seven deadly sins, uh, how to practice virtue, live the Beatitudes. Uh, Sheen gave us timely advice year in and year out. And so I just put together the best of Sheen and put it all into one volume. And so I'm glad it's serving you well and that you've been enjoying it, uh, not just during the season of Lent, but all year. Right, right. It's excellent. So tonight, uh, you know, we've kind of got this theme here of pray, um, you know, uh, pray, trust in the Lord, don't worry, that that whole theme there. But we're trying to, you know, the coronavirus and everything that's in, that's been af affecting so many people uh, in the country. And you're in Canada. It's affecting your country. It's affecting the United States. We've got 27 million people unemployed right now in the U.S. Uh, there is a, a lot of uh, to worry about. There is a lot to worry about. So uh, I'd like to hear what you have to say on, on that subject. Yeah, I think uh, one thing that people have always asked is, you know, this one question, and I think it's the theme of my talk today is, do I have enough? And um, I think when the crisis broke, many of us always thought, do I have enough food? Do I have enough water? Do I have enough toilet paper? It seems like toilet paper was the big thing. Uh, but we're all, we're asking our questions, do we have enough? And uh, yet, uh, I think when we started to really see what is the crisis, uh, what is affecting all of us? Um, I always went back to Sheen's wisdom to say uh, the crisis for history has always been um, what I call the faith crisis, uh, the crisis in vocation, and the crisis in devotion. And I think we're all experiencing those um, uh, tensions right now. I think all of us are starting to ask ourselves, do I have any faith? Like, what is my faith? And uh, I know I had to really wrestle with what my faith is, like what my prayer life is. Um, you know, I've been blessed in that. I've been going to Mass almost my whole life. I went to a little Catholic school, and we'd all go to church before school. And that became a holy habit in my life. And even as a, an adult, I always found that my uh, work was always close to a church, so I could always go to Mass before work started. So uh, this holy habit of going to daily Mass uh, was just part of my life. And when this was all taken away, when the coronavirus hit, I started to realize, okay, is this daily mass for you social or spiritual? And uh, for a lot of people, I think they have, are asking that, that question to say, what is my faith all about? Like, is it just a few prayers here and there? Like, I think we're all kind of asking ourselves now saying, what am I about, you know? Am I just really um, a few prayers a day, a few minutes a day? And sadly, a lot of us only give the Lord five or ten minutes. And uh, I think we're embarrassed because, um, you know, they've always said to us, go watch the Mass on the Internet, watch the Mass on television. Well, already I think a lot of people are disconnecting from that because the sacraments are meant to be physical, real. Um, you know, this digital uh, world 
it's still, I guess, virtual or somewhat invisible, but uh, there's nothing like the real sacraments. Uh, baptism is water. <laughs> you know, it's real thing. It's not that you can baptize digitally over uh, the internet. So I think a lot of us are starting to see this crisis in devotion and a crisis in our faith. And uh, so I really had to go into Sheen's writings and say, what are some of the answers that Sheen can provide us to help us in this crisis. And, um, you know, one thing about Sheen is he is a man of history that has experienced two world, wa two world wars. Um, he's, uh, knows what a depression is. He knows what, um, having, a um, you know, be without food and supplies because he's been through, uh, the good times and the bad. And, uh, so he's seen the post-war years. And, uh, so he knows that, Hey, there's going to be times where you don't have a lot of material goods. And now you're going to see just how much spiritual resources you have, how much spiritual treasure you have. And, you know, one thing I have learned through this whole crisis is um, it's that whole thing of fear. And, you know, do you have any courage? Because I think a lot of us are now saying, what am I afraid of? And Sheen would always talk about what I call, what are your loves? Do you have a higher love? Are you... Uh, more in love with your eternal life or this earthly life? And we have to ask ourselves that question. Um, you know, everybody's saying, well, you know, if you just obey, we'll make sure you have health care. We'll make sure that you have life. But how many people are really talking about our eternal soul, about our eternal life? And I think of that passage in Matthew's gospel, I think it's chapter 10, verse 28, where it said, you know, um, you're to fear not those who could just take away your body, but fear those who could take away your body and soul and have you um, suffer eternal damnation. So uh, to fear hell. So I think this is where we have to sort out uh, what is our true love? And do we love our heavenly life more than our earthly life? And heaven is our true home. Uh, but I think a lot of times we forget that and we go to the lower loves. And so I usually try to say to people, you know, do an inventory of what your real love is. And hopefully your real love is that love to get to heaven, that your eternal life is your priority. So uh, these are all things that, um, you know, I think we're really just sitting back and saying, who has the words of wisdom? Uh, Archbishop Sheen said so many times, and the, the name of his program was, Life is Worth Living. I think that was the perfect uh, title for any television show. And I think what, that's what he really wanted to say to us, is your life is worth living. Even though things are difficult, God has a plan for you. And I think back to the cross, and I think back to those times where... Um, our Lord's disciples were just scattered. Um, they had just crucified him. Um, they, they lost all hope. They really did lose all hope. Uh, you think of the disciples uh, that rode to Emmaus, uh, how they were, the Lord met them on the road, and they said, did, are you the only one that doesn't know what happened here? Is that everything we fought for, everything we dreamed of uh, has been wiped away? Uh, they've taken him away, and so now uh, the movement is in uh, great jeopardy. And um, and I think sometimes this is what we're feeling. Like it's like everything's been wiped away. Um, 
you know, we may not get back to Mass for months, and some of us worry, you know, when will the sacraments return? And I think we're in good company uh, with the disciples of old. Uh, everything was wiped away as far as they saw it. Uh, yet our Lord appeared to them and reassured them. Uh, when he entered the upper room, he said, Be not afraid. Peace be with you. He showed them his scars. And he said, You know, I will be with you. And I think this is one thing that I try to reassure everyone, is that Jesus hasn't left. He hasn't left. He's still, hopefully, in your heart, um, uh, living there, taking up residence. And remember, he's in every tabernacle throughout the world. So he hasn't left. Even though the sacraments have been taken away, the Lord is here. And I think that's what I try to give people that reassurance to say, remember, he is here. So, um, you know, I think that's just kind of my opening comments. Joe, I don't know if you uh, have anything that is uh, weighing on your mind. I think people always want to know about Sheen's writings here and there. So I don't know, Joe, if there's something you want to say. Um, well, of course, I do, uh, this... do, um, do want to say something, Al, because I, I do want to bring something up from your book, because this is like the perfect, perfect... Uh, I was going to read this earlier. I was going to read this when I was introducing you, but I just feel like it, it fits in perfect now. Here's what Sheen said, and he said that uh, as Catholics... Uh, we may not tamper with the message of Christ, for religion is of his making, not ours. And furthermore, he says, and this is the key part, the only religion that will help the world is the one that contradicts the world. And he goes on to say that all unhappiness is due to a conflict of wills, our selfish will contradicting the divine will, and that uh, being made for God, we can only be happy with him. But, you know, uh, I to me, I felt that that was very timely because uh, you you were just talking there uh, a minute ago about uh, uh, you know about that very thing right there about that very subject about uh, you know we're made for Christ and um, I don't know it's like we're a contradiction as Catholics um, if you're a real Catholic you know you will be contradicting the world and ultimately we don't have anything to be afraid of do we I mean. Our home is not here. Our home is is up there. That's where our home is. Yeah. And, yeah. and Sheen wrote many times, he says, heaven is built on a hill. We need to climb. This is going to take work. And you're going to have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. And uh, know that uh, we can learn more from the cross and uh, than any book. And that's what... Um, that great saint, St. Uh, Thomas Aquinas said, it was the very first line I put in that book, was I've learned more from the crucifix than any book. And I say to people all the time, look at the crucifix, meditate on God's love for you, and uh, it will change your life. It will tell you uh, volumes and volumes of stories and wisdom. Uh, there's so much to learn from the crucifix. And uh, again, St. Paul said, unless, unless I preach Christ and him crucified, you know, uh, you're going to miss the mark. And so we have to tell people think of, he think died of the for humility us. There for a minute. Think of the humility there for a minute, dying on the cross. This is God. You know, this is just not yeah. another person that dies on a cross. This is God himself. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And, that's and, and Joe, we, really yeah, we never, uh, Sheen said, um, you know, when we look at someone's life, uh, when they die, like if someone dies at the age of six, we say, oh, that young child, he died way too young. And even some people, when they die at 70 and 80, we might say, hmm, he seemed to go early. But it's funny, when our Lord died, no one ever said, 
he died too young because his mission was to come to the world to die. That was his mission. But we've never said he died too young. Uh, he died in God's perfect timing. He came to complete the Father's will, to teach us, to uh, guide us, uh, and to, of course, die for our sins so that we could uh, attain heaven one day. So uh, let us rejoice. Hallelujah. Let's, uh, let's be glad. And, and we, we are, again, uh, a people of the resurrection. I think we forget that sometimes. We get caught up in the negative news. But uh, there is a lot of good news. And uh, we have to remember the power of the cross. And, um, and Sheen would remind us to meditate on the cross every day. Um, you know, it was, uh, I always say, a God incidence that uh, my latest book that just came out before the pandemic was is titled, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And, uh, you know, I think Kent will probably bring it up on the screen, but uh, it's a collection of Sheen's writings on prayer, uh, beautiful meditations on the Our Father, uh, the Mass, um, uh, Stations of the Cross, the Holy Hour, and uh, we need to pray more than ever before. Like we have to admit, we're out of the habit of prayer. Uh, we have to develop this holy habit. And so, um, you know, I, I penned the book in 2018 and it took two years for it to finally come, uh, you know, to market. But yet, God's perfect timing. Lord, teach us to pray. We need prayer more than ever before. And uh, it's kind of a back-to-basics approach. And that's what I try to say to people, is that Fulton Sheen very much was a back-to-basics. Uh, life is simple. Prayer is simple. And we have to become like children. Uh, we have to uh, do what uh, the Lord said. Close the door of your room. Uh, kneel down. Uh, God sees everything in secret. And uh, we really just need to spend time and to just be. Uh, that beautiful scripture, be still and know that I am God. And uh, that's what I recommend to people. It's, uh, you know, this this conference is simply pray, hope, and don't worry. Well, part of that is the prayer, <laughs> the prayer part. And uh, I know it's a short and schedule today, and I know we don't have a lot of time. So, um, you know, I'll definitely leave that with our, our listeners to, uh, to definitely take up that holy habit of prayer. And I think a lot of us are being convicted now to say, uh, I've been called to prayer. I have time now. There's no excuses. Uh, so let's go back to basics and, um, and we'll be blessed. We truly will be blessed. Absolutely. You know, one other thing, Al, uh, and that's, that's a, a great talk. You gave a uh, beautiful talk. One other thing, too, is we're going to find out that we were never alone. You know, God is watching us right now. Heaven, the angels probably are watching us right now. There's just, you know, we, we think we're alone. We feel isolated. We feel afraid sometimes. And we're going to find out we had no, no reason for that. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And I think, though, we have to say and still ask ourselves that question, do I have enough? But we really have to say, do I have enough devotion? Do I have enough courage? Because I think we're going to need a great deal of courage because um, there will be lots of attacks. Um, there'll be lots of challenges, but we have to have that courage. And a lot of that is also hope. And uh, we do truly do have to be people of hope. And so, um you know, is it going to get better? Um, yes, it is going to get better, but it may never be the same. But uh, again, we need to have that courage. And the Lord will send his Holy Spirit to uh, inspire us to be men of faith, prayer, action. And uh, again, I think we have to take our position. Um, when we talk about vocation, uh, men especially have to become 
the priest, prophet, and king of their domestic church. And when they start to be more priestly, the world is a better place. And we're all called to be more priestly through uh, the sacrament of baptism. When uh, the priest or the deacon anointed us with the oil of chrism, he claimed us to be priest, prophet, and king. And I think if we can take our position and, uh, as I said before, become more priestly, uh, you know, people of prayer, and, uh, of course, a king. I always think of the royal court and how we go to the saints and our guardian angel and um, many of the powerful uh, intercessors we have in heaven that will help us in this journey. Uh, so uh, again, we have, we have help. And as I said before, the Lord is still here. He's present in all the tabernacles all over the world. He's in our hearts. We just have to remind ourselves, God is with us. Let us rejoice. Amen. <laughs> you know, Joe, I know we started a bit late, but I want to be good to our time. I'm looking at the clock, and I see we're almost coming up on the, uh, you know, and 8 o'clock. The reason and we so were late is my fault. It's all my fault anyhow. So, I wasn't ready at 7.30, like I said. I told everybody, hey, be ready at 7.30, and I wasn't ready at 7.30. Yeah. But, Joe, but I, mean, I will come talk, back. Yeah, I said, we, we can do this time and time again, and that's the beauty. We do have time, so we can do it again next week and the week after. Uh, again, there's 66 Bishop Sheen books behind me, and so I can do a book review every week on something uh, for everyone. And so uh, that's the blessing of that. So, uh, again, pray, trust, don't worry. Uh, keep that, and um, uh, let's believe that. And um, I'm looking forward to Bill's talk. I know he's going to be sharing some scripture with us. And uh, Matt, of course, is going to inspire us with, uh, he's going to talk about, uh, I, you know, sometimes Matt is just uh, a resource of information. I think he's going to talk about some of the founding fathers and he's going to talk about some things. But uh, we, we need to know our rights, but uh, our God-given rights. And uh, God is on our side. He really is. So uh, looking forward to the rest of the evening. So uh, God love everyone that's joined us tonight on Fiat Ministry and uh, in Patch Heart Ministries. Uh, we've got a great family here. So uh, thank you again for coming. Thank you, Al. Okay. Terrific. Thanks. So we'll be bringing our next uh, speaker up here in just a couple of minutes. But uh, I think we, uh, we want to play something first. Hello, everyone. My name is Al Smith, and uh, I am the founder and director of uh, a little apostolate called Bishop Sheen Today. And uh, years ago, I put together a website called bishopsheentoday.com, and uh, because we need Bishop Sheen Today. And so on this website, you'll find a collection of videos uh, of Sheen's presentations from television, his lectures, his conferences. Uh, there is a section on this website of, of many of his audio recordings that I've featured on my two radio programs in Canada. And uh, there is also a section on some downloadable books that you can uh, download for free. So uh, if you want to watch Sheen, listen to Sheen, or read Sheen, visit bishopsheentoday.com. Now, I do try to raise some money for some good causes, and naturally, uh, the internet is expensive, and uh, there's bills attached to that. So uh, when you make a donation to my website, these writings uh, to help them in their development. So, uh, and Archbishop Sheen said, the key to the renovation of the church and the salvation of souls was to renew the priesthood and to help uh, develop good new preachers uh, to go out into the mission field. So 
what better way to do that than to uh, help uh, your own soul by reading Sheen and uh, raise money for um, the improvement of the education of so many seminarians studying all over the world. So uh, this collection of Sheen's writings on prayer, uh, a must read for all of us. Uh, every home should have a copy of Lord Teach Us to Pray to help us develop the holy habit of prayer. And uh, Sheen's writings on the Our Father, his writings on the Mass, uh, the Holy Hour, are all in this book. So uh, a great read. Uh, and it's a beautiful prayer companion, easy to digest, and uh, lots of short meditations that you can just open the book and ponder uh, at your leisure. Uh, another book that I recommend through the website is this uh, collection of Sheen's writings on the seven last words. It's called The Cries of Jesus from the Cross, and it's a collection of Sheen's homilies uh, from the 1930s and 40s. Um, uh, in this book, he'll teach us how to deal with difficult people. Um, how to turn away from the seven deadly sins, um, how to practice virtue, and to, to live the Beatitudes. It's all here in this uh, anthology of Sheen's Wisdom on the Cross. And so, uh, again, uh, available through the website bishopsheentoday.com. So, uh, again, I want to help you, and uh, you can help me in my apostolic work. So, uh, together, uh, we will help change the world for the better. So, uh, visit that site, bishopsheentoday.com. Uh, get a copy of The Cries of Jesus from the Cross or Lord Teach Us to Pray. And uh, speaking of prayer, please be assured that I will pray for you and I'd ask you to pray for me. So hopefully one day we'll see you in church. And again, visit that website, bishopsheentoday.com. God love you. All right, terrific. Thanks, Hill. Thanks again. Boy, it's amazing how he can get into that suit so fast. Uh, very good. Hey, we got our second uh, speaker coming up right now, um, all the way from Cleveland. And I say all the way from Cleveland because I'm right in Cleveland also. So uh, we have uh, Bill Parsons. And Bill uh, is a friend, and we've been doing a little bit of a YouTube uh, channel uh, back and forth. We've had some really good discussions. Uh, he's also uh, really on faith for the, uh, for the uh, faith and a contractor. Yeah, he does a uh, uh, contracting work in the uh, Cleveland area. And uh, but, but the most important thing too is so he's a family man too, um, that he is so solid in his faith. And he's been a real uh, uh, Bill. You've been a real inspiration to me, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, and talk. And uh, you're what you're a little bit on the younger side too. You're in your mid thirties and stuff. So it's just wonderful to see that. Uh, welcome, welcome to our first mini conference ever. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me, Joe. Uh, yeah, I'm 37. I know I look like I'm 15, uh, but hopefully someday I'll grow into it. Uh, but uh, thank you for having me, Joe. And uh, to all of you who joined us, uh, thank you for tuning in and peace be with you. Uh, what I would like to do in keeping with the theme of our conference, I would like to begin in prayer. Uh, what I will do is uh, recite the prayer before study or work, uh, one Ave Maria, one Gloria Patri, and uh, a couple invocations. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Direct, O Lord, we beseech Thee, all our actions by Thy holy inspirations, and carry them on by Thy gracious assistance, that every prayer and work of ours may begin always from Thee, and by Thee be happily ended. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, 
ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicuterat in principio, nunc et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. Seed of wisdom, pray for us. Saints Alphonsus Liguori and Catherine of Alexandria, pray for us. Bless us, O Virgin Mary, with thy holy child. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So on that note, um, I think given the era in which we live, and specifically the times that we are now living in, it seems proper to me to start with uh, the question, why pray? I mean, what's the point, right? Um, you know, there are so many out there nowadays uh, that they count as nothing, the power of prayer. Um, you know, some of them, they either think of it as just some, I don't know, some kind of private meditation that some people do, uh, like yoga, uh, or else there are people that uh, they think of it as some sort of um, dangerous superstition, you know, left over from before the so-called enlightenment. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is a lot of these people I don't think are unreasonable in their dismissal of prayer just because of what they see around them nowadays, you know. Uh, they hear about prayer, but they don't see any of the fruits of prayer, you know, not, not out there in the world. Um, if you think about it, how often do we hear that tired, perfunctory phrase, thoughts and prayers? You know, anytime there's a school shooting or some act of gun violence or there's a natural disaster somewhere in the world or some uh, celebrity or politician dies, we always hear thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Um, and it's, it's so often it seems like, we hear it so often and it seems to do so little that, you know, a lot of people think like, what is the point of this? Why, why are we doing this? You know, um, what good can it do? And I think this is due in part to, um, we've been kind of all led to think of it as some, just some sort of, you know, pious invocation uh, that, that we say for people that we know, but really there's not much more to it than that. Uh, and we even see this uh, nowadays in some of our leaders. Um, so I'm going to read you just a couple little quotes here. Uh, this was in this is the first week or two of April 2020 uh, in regards to the coronavirus. Cardinal Supich of Chicago, this is a prelate, by the way, a prince of the church. Uh, he declared that we should not think that in terms of Christ, in times of crisis that, quote, we say a prayer and think things are going to go away. Well, really, your eminence. Uh, similarly, the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, uh, when he was talking about the possible drop in coronavirus cases, uh, he said, quote, God didn't do that. Faith did not do that. Destiny did not do that. A whole lot of pain and suffering did that, unquote. Now, to these uh, kind of folks, uh, I would suggest maybe you go uh, reflect on the story of the city of Nineveh before you go talking about what prayer can or cannot do. Um, but I also think that, uh, it, well, did St. Paul prophesy about such men uh, who, who make a pretense of religion but deny its power? Uh, but at the same time, you know, so it comes as no surprise. We see this from our leaders. We see it everywhere um, that some people would think, you know, what good can prayer do? Um, now, myself, I answer to the contrary. I say, what can prayer not do? Uh, 
couple few examples. Um, it was prayer that helped raise a man from the dead, John chapter 11. It was prayer that uh, strengthened the very first pope in his time of weakness. That's Luke chapter 22. Uh, it was prayer that uh, both helped back then to sustain the church and continues to do so even to this day. See the entire chapter of John 17. Uh, and it was prayer that helped transubstantiate the very first Eucharist at the Last Supper and continues to do so now. So I will ask again, what can prayer not do if it can do all of these things? Um, or is it maybe that we believe that God is all powerful except for a virus and instead we should look to science and medicine to save us? Um, but Getting more to the point, the question really is, why pray now, right? What's so different now than before the coronavirus? Uh, well, I think the answer is threefold, honestly. Um, first and foremost, let's get this out of the way. This is a chastisement, okay? Realize this. This is a chastisement. Um, and you might ask why. Um, well, there's, let's, let's start with, um, the, the world. Okay. Uh, basically, um, we've abandoned him. We have, we have ignored his counsel. We have rejected God's laws. Um, and, and often we have created our own contrary laws, contrary to his, um, the kind of laws that actually, uh, demand an answer from him. Uh, such as is warned about uh, in uh, Isaiah chapter 5, you know, woe to them that call good evil and evil good. Now, there's, there's a lot of people out there that are afraid to say this kind of stuff, that this is, in fact, a chastisement. Um, I'm not one of them. Uh, I think we need to call it for what it is. And uh, there's also people out there, and you might have seen them, you know, on Twitter or elsewhere. You might even hear some priests talking like this. And they want to give you this um, this argument that uh, the the God of the New Testament does not punish, right? As if it's some other God in the Old Testament that oh I don't know uh, sent the flood, um, humbled the Pharaoh of Egypt, sent his own people into captivity in Babylon. That's some other God. We don't talk about him anymore. Um, what you need to understand is that this is dangerously close to the heresy of the Marianites, and that was a heresy that was soundly dispatched centuries ago. So pay no attention to anybody that speaks this way, uh, just to clear that up. Um, but uh, so again, it, for the world, it's because we ignore God. Uh, but more specifically, uh, it's this is a chastisement for the church, and you might be asking why or, or how. Honestly, if we're being honest, um, it's because we failed him. You know, um, we've we've let him down, and there's a lot of people that don't want to hear that, um, and they might take offense to that. I, for one, am willing to admit my own shortcomings. There, we just heard Al reference. Uh, you know, the sometimes that lack of prayer in our lives, lack of devotion. Well, 
I'm the first one to admit it. You know, I, there's, there's definitely stuff that I could have done more of. Um, but, uh, Hey Bill. Yes. Yeah. Can I ask you a quick question? Um, sure. I, I know how important prayer is and everything. Uh, my question is, uh, boy, um, don't you think the greatest prayer is mass and the fact that, uh, mass has been, uh, basically canceled. Um, it, it seems like that more than anything, we should be able to, uh, to get into the churches, uh, have mass, even with the coronavirus, that's the way I feel. I was wondering if you felt uh, kind of along the same lines as that, too, because that is the ultimate prayer, isn't it? Receiving the Eucharist, all of that. I think that that is the ultimate prayer. However, I think it's been taken from us uh, for our ingratitude, essentially. Um, and, and that's a large statement, so I'll explain. Um, the... Uh, you know, like I said, we we have in large part failed him, especially as concerns the sacraments. You know, um, how often have we been asked by Our Lady over at, certainly the last couple centuries to pray, 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 to amend our lives, to do penance, to cease offending God, right? Uh, and our Lord as well. Uh, you know, in in He Germany in 1945, Jesus spoke with great force. He said, "Quote." Humanity has not listened to my Holy Mother, who appeared at Fatima to urge mankind to do penance. Now I myself have come to warn the world in this last hour. The times are serious. May people finally do penance for their sins. May they turn away with all their heart from the evil and pray, pray much, in order to calm the indignation of God. May they often recite the Holy Rosary in particular. This prayer is powerful with God. Less entertainments and amusements. Unquote. Uh, so we have ignored the call to prayer. Um, what have we done instead? We have seen, uh, and by the way, I'm speaking collectively, okay? God does not tailor make chastisements for each individual. Um, that creed that we recite when we do have mass, we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, so it's one. If one member of the body suffers or is in pain, then the entire body suffers. So that's why I use the word we. We're in this together. We're a family, period. But so what have we done instead, or what have we seen instead? We've seen many an irreverent uh, and or possibly sacrilegious uh, mass being said, whether it be uh, clothing or music or, or certain homilies. There have been irreverent masses, possibly sacrilegious masses. Uh, in the United States, an incredible 70% of Catholics no longer believe in the real presence of the Eucharist, which leads me to go, well, then is it any wonder that we don't believe in the power of prayer anymore. Uh, another example is that permission has been given in whatever uh, covert uh, or vague way, permission has been given to those who willingly, willingly declare themselves as adulterers, which is a mortal sin. Uh, permission has been given to them to defile the sacrament of Holy Communion by receiving the Eucharist without uh, first seeking sacramental confession. In October 2019, there was another example. We saw the abominable practice of uh, open idol worship within the walls of the Vatican itself uh, by venerating the uh, pagan fertility goddess Pachamama. Uh, and I could go on and on and on and on. But in a nutshell, we've taken the sacraments for granted. Um, we've abused them. And so for our collective ingratitude, We've been placed under what I think of as a kind of divine interdict. Uh, now that 
we now that the sacraments for the most part have been taken away, we have nothing to do but pray, don't we? Um, and and I, I honestly think that this is precisely the point, because there are so many of us that do everything but pray, don't we? I mean, Al just referenced it a little while ago. You know, we, we work, we shop, uh, we binge watch TV shows, um, we just absolutely amuse ourselves to death on the internet, uh, we obsess about 401ks and children's basketball games or ballet lessons or how to get them into college, um, you know, or about our social media profiles, or we debate endlessly about global warming, whether or not it's real, and if it is, what are we going to do about it? In short, we've become like the apostles in the Garden of Gethsemane. We've all fallen asleep, you know. Not, not one of us uh, can keep watch with the Lord even for an hour anymore. Uh, and yet, I think it is in this chastisement itself, therein lies our hope, uh, which I know that sounds really odd. Uh, but if you consider that all chastisements are medicinal, okay, God takes no pleasure in punishment, you know, uh, despite what you might hear from the neighborhood cynic or skeptic. He's not some kid with an ant farm. Rather, it's repentance and holiness that he desires. Uh, I mean, did he not say that I desire mercy, not sacrifice? He's not into punishment. Um, to put it another way, there, there's a bit from Second Chronicles, uh, chapter 7. Uh, and it says, well, I don't have that with me, I don't think. I'll have to skip that one. Uh, well, there it is. You can see that. <laughs> if I shut up heaven so that there is no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land, if I send pestilence among my people, if then my people upon whom my name has been pronounced humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, I will hear them from heaven and pardon their sins and heal their land. Uh, so, you know, but then on the other hand, sometimes uh, holiness, repentance and holiness can only come from correction. Um, but that shouldn't mean, that shouldn't give us cause to be discouraged. Uh, and we know this from uh, the letter to the Hebrews, uh, chapter 12, I think it is, uh, which says, My son, do not disdain the discipline of the Lord or lose heart when reproved by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He scourges every son he acknowledges. Endure your trials as discipline, for God treats you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are without discipline in which all have shared, you are not sons but bastards. Besides this, we have had our earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Should we not then submit all the more to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a short time, as seemed right to them. But he does so for our benefit in order that we may share in his holiness. At the time, all discipline seems a cause not for joy, but for pain. Yet later, it brings the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. So even in the midst of trial, we have reason to hope, right? Because now are we made to be silent and to reflect. Now we can dust off that Bible that maybe we haven't touched in five years or longer. Now we can take the rosary off of the rearview mirror of our car and actually use it. Or to pray the chaplet of divine mercy that we've always intended to devote ourselves to, but just couldn't ever find the time. Um, in essence, now we can contemplate him who is eternity, 
who is our entire reason for being, and who, as St. Thomas Aquinas tells us, is our ultimate end. Uh, or to put it another way, to put it another way, uh, if, if, if we'll allow it to, this could be uh, a kind of practice for the beatific vision where we will finally behold God as he truly is and give him his due worship and praise. Um, so in this, this is where our hope should lie. And that's where, in, even in the chastisement, this, this is our hope. Uh, for as a Romans 8 tells us, we know that all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So, on the, on the flip side of the coin, um, I know that each of us knows that it's difficult to attain hope or really even aspire to hope, uh, particularly in times of trial, right? It's way easier to give in to anxiety or fear or, you know, uh, the fear of the present moment or, or what, yet, uh, what might come, um, you know, or, or things that we've done in the past, things we failed to do in the past, it's a lot easier to give in to uh, a lot of this stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, none of it is going to help us. I mean, worrying is pointless. Um, you know, Matt, I think it's Matthew chapter 6. Can any of you, by worrying, add one day to his life? I don't know about you guys, but I know I can't. Um, so if that's the case, then why do something that it doesn't do anything. I mean, really the only thing it does is drive a further wedge between us and God. It does nothing, literally nothing else besides that. Um, but you know, there's a, there's a parallel, there's a mirror, I think, uh, for what we're going through right now. There's an analogy uh, and that would be the, uh, the calming of the storm at sea. Uh, just to read on that day, as evening drew on, he said to them, let us cross to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him with them just as he was, and other boats were with him. A violent squall came up, and waves were breaking over the boat, so that it was already filling up. Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Quiet, be still. The wind ceased, and there was great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? They were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this whom even wind and sea obey? And so that's my way of asking all of you a question, right? During this pandemic, if we're all being honest with ourselves and each other, how many of us have been the apostles in the boat, you know, glued to our TV screens and rushing out to buy truckloads of toilet paper, are, are we not acting like the apostles in the boat? I mean, perhaps the Lord could say to all of us right now, why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? But it just makes you wonder, what have we forgotten? You know, uh, everything that we read in the scriptures, what have we forgotten? Well, it seems to me, I did some reading, it seems to me quite a bit. Uh, Isaiah 41, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. Matthew 28, behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. Mark chapter 11, therefore I tell you, anything you ask for in prayer, believe that you will receive it and it shall be yours. 
John chapter 14, I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. John chapter 16, in the world you will have trouble, but take courage. I have conquered the world. First Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, excuse me. God did not give us a spirit of cowardice. The question is, could he be any plainer about this? Can he express himself in any other way? And the point that I'm making with all of this is that uh, what we need to remember, particularly now, is that nothing in this universe happens arbitrarily. Nothing. Not one sparrow falls to the ground without him noticing. All things do or do not happen in this world, in this universe, because God says so, not for any other cause. Um, you know, it's because he wills it. Now, some people might ask, well, then did God create the coronavirus? No, he did not. There is a difference between his active will, such as we see in the book of Genesis with the story of creation, and his passive will, such as we see even now with the proliferation of evil in the world. So he wills it. It's not that he actively causes it. He wills it. Uh, and how do I know that all of this? Well, because none of us are given or granted one day or even one breath more than what we've already been given. Okay. So are you breathing right now? That's because he wills it, because he has given his permission. Uh, and so, again, nothing transpires without his permission. This includes one well-traveled coronavirus. Do you not think for a moment that he could, he could end all of this if he so chose? Uh, so one of the main questions that people are asking themselves is, will this end? If so, when? Well, the first part of the answer to that is yes, eventually, yes, it will. Um, no chastisement lasts forever. Even the flood, which was one of the most cataclysmic events in human history, eventually that ceased and abated. So this too shall pass. Uh, but the second part of the question, when, well, there's, there's simply no way to know that. Uh, but then again, if that's the case, we have to ask ourselves, what's the point of worrying about something that we, that's impossible to know? I mean, wouldn't it be more prudent to focus on the here and now? Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is the day's own evil. And pay no attention to people that call this the new normal, okay? That don't, we know not when, but this too shall pass. And besides which, there's a much more important question that we should be asking ourselves, and that is, are we going to learn from this? I mean, you know, everything we just talked about, are we going to learn from it? Are we going to be like the prodigal son after having been humbled and shown quite clearly the fragility of our existence? Will we then come to our senses and return home to our father? Or are we going to continue ignoring him and rejecting his counsel? Uh, the thing that we all need to understand is that an existence that does not place God at the center is pointless. There, there's nothing that can be gained from it. Uh, what we all need to remember is that economies and industries can be rebuilt with enough time and patience, but 
what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? So it is these higher things that we should be concentrating on because those are the things that will make the days to come for us good or evil. Uh, divine providence has granted us a tremendous opportunity right now for a kind of uh, interior reflection. Um, so rather than you know, worry about what tomorrow may or may not bring, I think it would be, we'd all be better served in pondering the scriptures, uh, pondering the Psalms, which says, this is where he tells us, be still and know that I am God. And for those healthcare workers and for those suffering from the coronavirus and for the rest of us, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and upon the whole world. Amen. Turn my mic on. Uh, very good, Bill. <laughs> Excellent. Very good. Yes, I have to turn the microphone on, too. I have to do that. Uh, it's okay, yeah. Joe. I almost didn't turn mine on before my talk, so you're in good company. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, very good. So, um, well, thank you. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that's a lot there to, to uh, take in and uh, to like all the scripture passages. It's, you know, it's very Christ-centered, the talk's very Christ-centered, and, uh, and that's what it's all about, you know. That is what it is all about right there with Jesus Christ. So, God bless Amen. you. And um, we have another speaker coming up, and uh, you know, we're live, and we're going to, um, we have one more um, speaker. And we're going to go till 9 o'clock, so stick with us. Matt Allner from uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado is next, and uh, he's coming up right after this. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today. All righty. So all the way from Colorado Springs, Colorado, it's the Matt Ulner Show. How you doing, Matt? Doing great, hey, Joe. I've gotta, Thanks for I've having me do on. You, uh, well, you're welcome. Thanks for uh, uh, coming on here. Uh, let me just uh, talk a little bit about uh, Matt here. Uh, you've got quite a resume as well. Uh, you started out, well, it sounds like, according to this, you started out in 2015 with your ministry work, uh, Call the Lord. Um, now, you give talks uh, primarily on families, uh, on, the, on family and marriage, and how they're being attacked today, which is like the, such a great subject. Uh, let's see what else it says here. Um, you were working at NASA for a while, too, is that correct? I was a graduate researcher and was, was working as a non-employee with, uh, directly with NASA. It's kind of hard to explain. I wasn't employed with them, okay. uh, but I was doing research in grad school and then worked professionally just doing independent research um, that supported um, uh human exploration efforts to Mars and beyond. So stuff hopefully I'll live long enough to maybe see the roots of my work. <laughs> okay. 
We'll it's see. Amazing <laughs> stuff. But you've been involved in so many things here. Um, yeah. It's a dare program for kids, um, elementary students, keeping them out of drugs and alcohol. Um, you've done a lot of speaking to uh, youth and young adults. It sounds like um, you're on the Catholic speakers uh, tour or whatever it's called. Um, so. Uh, you know, you've, you've been around the block a little bit. We uh, are really excited that you can uh, uh, speak to us here with this uh, this mini conference here. And of course, uh, you know, the theme again is prayer, uh, hope, and uh, don't worry. Um, kind of uh, interested to see, you know, how, your perspective on that, with um, and your, you know, what you can bring uh, in the encouragement and stuff to people that are, that are listening right now. So. Uh, I'm just going to throw it to you, and uh, I'm going to sit. I, I want to hear it. Well, I haven't played catch with my son for baseball yet, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to catch it, Joe. But I'll do my best. Um, I first of all, I just want to um, I want to just give a shout out to Alan and Bill. Their talks were amazing. Um, very different from from different perspectives of the situations that are going on and of course making this relevant to listeners that are listening with what's going on right now what we're all going through is so important it's such a um, it's such an uncertain time and, and that was essentially the research that I did for NASA was how to deal with uncertainties and we were doing group dynamic studies um, how teams function and leadership functions and what the best dynamics would be for teams and leadership um, and looking for a cruise to go to Mars, but, you know, things we haven't done. And, it, and it's, you know, not to bring the NASA stuff into the picture on this, but um, what's different about it is that it's not going to be a round-trip mission. A lot of people think it will, and, and um, the reality is, is as of right now, it still won't. Uh, it's a one-way trip, and that's a different dynamic. I mean, when you know you're not going to come home back to Earth, um, it, it rewires you once the, you know, the rocket fires and you're on your way. And so... Um, you know, there were some interesting studies within NASA that led to the bigger questions of, you know, we, we've got to we've got to talk about some things that are a little uncomfortable that we haven't been talking about for several decades now. And we're all kind of doing that right now in our own homes. So it's 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 almost comical. I was doing this research for NASA and then it becomes something that, you know, I can help myself, my marriage and my family with. And yet now that I'm actually in this this same boat as everyone else, um, so to speak. Um, this, you know, the, the, there's there's stresses that are real, and there's uncertainties that are real, and um, everyone's trying to work through them in different ways. And you can kind of see that when you go out to the grocery stores, when you go out to the gas stations. For me, um, being a business owner in, a, in an essential business, um, um, I've seen dynamics in neighborhoods uh, just working that I haven't seen since I've started my business, and it's. It's been very encouraging. I've seen some really great. I've seen 99% great things and 1% bad things out there as far as people's actions and interactions. So, um, hey, hey, Matt, you know, Matt, can I, Matt, yes. can I ask you a quick question here? Sorry, um, you, bet. Uh, you You give those talks on the family and, and everything connected with that. Yeah. How can I just ask you this with the coronavirus and all that? And, and isn't this putting a tremendous amount of stress on families today and on the marriage? I hear that you know the suicide rate is up, um, child abuse is up, uh, domestic violence, you know all of these uh, problems are kind of like boiling, uh, boiling over. There's bankruptcies. People are not getting paid. How many people do we know that aren't receiving a paycheck right now? Uh, well, yeah, 
would you agree that this is like really putting a stress on the family? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, you know, our, you know, personally speaking, our family has done very, very well. I'm very proud of uh, um, my wife and our, our children, especially our children. They, they have just been tremendous. I mean, tremendous help at home. Um, we have a seven-month-old baby, um, and so they have just really helped us where we've needed to. My wife and I are both in essential businesses. She's a nurse, and I'm a contractor, so we've been working, and um, you know, we've we've been able to trade shifts. So one of us is always home, but uh, it's uh, it's not easy. And, and we hear stories of what other people are going through, and so one, we feel very blessed and fortunate that we're not, you know, maybe struggling as much as other people, um, and we and we're praying for them, but. Um, yeah, the stress on the family is difficult. And, you know, you kind of opened with the emphasis on the fact that I talk a lot about marriages and about family. Um, you know, I saw so many things as a teacher teaching in the classroom. I saw, essentially, I saw the I saw the failure of leadership in the home. And, you know, I don't mean any disrespect to any women that are listening, but there's a huge leadership responsibility that's given and it's biblical to men. You go all the way back to the first sin and, um Everyone thinks it was when, you know, Adam and Eve ate from the ate the apple from the tree, but really the first sin was was Adam's lack of leadership. Uh he stood right alongside his wife as he was being tempted by Satan and he let her eat the apple. He didn't intervene, he didn't confront Satan. And so in our marriages, we, you know, as as men have to recognize things that are um maybe attacking us through our spouses, through our children, and we need to take that stance and step in. Um, you know, it's, again, this isn't a blame, uh, a blame game, but it's more just a, an, a, an evaluation of conscience. What is our role? Um, God designed men and women to be different and, and our society has just con- confused people with the definition and role to the point now where, you know, we have a, a reversal trend taking place that is just so not natural for, um, you know, for raising children in, in a, you know, in a very healthy way. And it's not that it can't be done other ways, but, Again, are, are we going to keep defying God and what God's asked us to do? Are we going to be respectful and um, not submissive, but but obedient to what he's asked us to do? Um, Kent's going to be putting some pictures up throughout my talk that are kind of prompts as, uh, as I go through. And i just like to share a little bit with um, with you some some things I've really reflected on, you know, as I've been, you know, painting houses and you know, installing trim and doing all sorts of things we've been doing over the last six weeks. It's funny when it's quiet how how much God speaks to me, and, and he's really, really pressed upon me the story of Exodus, um, specifically the uh, the 10th plague and the Passover, and then, of course, the celebration of the Passover and the Last Supper with Jesus, and just some lessons learned and how relevant they are to what we're going through right now. Um, again, if you can put the, the picture back up of Moses and the burning bush, and we'll kind of move forward a little bit with, in, in sequence of some of those, those pictures that would kind of help the audience um, with a visual. Um, so in the book of Exodus, the, the first thing I want to kind of reference is social distancing. We had an image that was up a bit ago. It showed um, a person in the center of a circle and everyone keeping their six-foot distance. Uh, you go to the grocery stores, you got your arrows down the aisle. Some people are following them, some people aren't. Um, but, uh, you know, for the most part, I've been seeing people being very respectful, uh, letting other people go first and being careful to, you know, not bump into each other. Um, you know, I've really thought a lot about this, this distancing and, and granted social distancing is for, for viral concerns, but, you know, I just want to bring, bring up a lot of the distancing that was mentioned in the Bible and how, how interesting it was. So going back to the book of Exodus, um, you have the Israelites, 
Um, you know, they slowly over time were being more and more distance from God. Um, you know, I'm not a theology expert. I know what I know, and some days it's more than others. But, um, you know, from my understanding, the Israelites had, had started slowly falling away from, um, from, you know, practicing their faith. I believe Alan referenced it pretty well in, in his talk about, you know, how much time we give daily to God. He mentioned five to ten minutes. Uh, I was challenged with that question about six years ago, and I added it up, and I was giving maybe a minute or two, and that was, a, you know, an occasional prayer before dinner uh, with my family and then maybe, um, you know, a nighttime prayer before bed. And, and I realized I needed to do more and challenge myself to start praying at least 15 minutes a day. And then things just, I, I can't begin to tell you what happened, but that's how my business has started and, and where I'm at today because of it. But it just, it grew that spending that, you know, that, that time with God, giving him more of that time um, of the 24 hours a day he's given me to breathe. But, you know, the Israelites were distancing themselves from God and then Pharaoh was just was was just working them like dogs, was increasing their quotas and then got to a point where he, you know, they didn't even provide them the materials. They had to go gather their own materials. Um, their their time to spend worshiping those that were was reduced more and more. Um, and, the, and the physical demands were so much harder. Um, but then you move forward to after the point of, you know, Moses, you know, building enough faith and courage and trust in them to to leave and and to you know, to become free again, um, they're out in the wilderness and Moses escapes to Mount Sinai. As you can see in this image here, he's bringing down the commandments, but you know, they're, he's gone for several days and they're waiting for him to return and they start to get concerned. And so they go to Moses's brother, Aaron, and ask him, um, you know, you know, ask him to create a God that they can pray to. And so, you know, Aaron tells them to bring all their gold and he creates the, uh, the golden calf. Um, it's, it's such a fascinating story because you, you can reflect on it in so many different ways. And my daughter, Isabel and I were actually talking about this just the other day um, as we were having breakfast in the morning about how, how the distancing there was that, you know, they needed a God to pray to, but yet their God was there. He had always been there just because Moses left doesn't, didn't mean that they couldn't still pray and, and the lack of support that they had in that faith for each other was also an important piece to make mention of. And so, um, you know, Moses comes down and asks them what they're doing. And of course, God sees it and he wants to punish them. <laughs> and Moses tries to have some dialogue with them. It's just, a, it's an interesting part of the story. Um, the second message on distancing comes um, later, you know, fast forwarding to Jesus. And, um, you know, Jesus tells us during his, his mission work in Matthew 10, um, verses 34 to 36, I'm going to read this to you. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the enemies of his own household. Um, you know, I was reading that the other day, and I kind of started thinking, well, I hope I'm not the enemy in my household. <laughs> Even though some days, um, you know, my, my wife and kids might think that. I, I hope not. But, you know, we, we could all get on each other's nerves. And, you know, going back to the space analogies, you know, that that's where, you know, taking countermeasures and having preventative measures in place to keep those group dynamics is so important. And, and I'm sure a lot of families have, have been reading about all the creative ways people have uh, made use of their time. I was just finishing up a job yesterday and I saw three boys out in the front yard next door shooting a bow and arrow at a target. And they were actually pretty good. I was pretty impressed. But, but uh, one of the kids was making fun of his brother because he had the, the bow upside down. <laughs> upside down before he shot but he was still hitting the target um but you know it's it's neat because 
the the ways of the world today that I think a lot of us agree aren't great for kids, but it's just it's just where we're at with things. Those things have been removed, and kids are being forced to figure out how to entertain themselves and keep themselves busy in ways that we grew up just naturally doing. The only difference is, is that we weren't socially distanced in our neighborhoods. We, you know, were able to get together with all our friends. But I think one of the neat things that's going to come out of this is that when this is lifted, everyone's going to be so grateful for their neighbors when maybe they were complaining about them before. I think they're going to be so grateful for their friends more than they ever were that they're they're going to just cherish every moment with them. And I hope that that doesn't wear off. Um, you know, that's one of the, the the prayers I have for when this when this lifts that that we're in this long enough that we don't take anything for granted, including the breaths that we're given each day by the Lord. Uh, the third message and message on distancing I want to mention is, um, and this goes, this is from Jesus again. Um, my daughter and I talked about this and she brought this up and I thought it was just amazing to share. And she mentioned uh, Palm Sunday. Um, you know, Jesus is welcomed. The crowds welcome him. The disciples are supportive. Everything, life is good at this moment. Of course, Jesus knows it's about to get really rough. And from Palm Sunday to Good Friday in just five short days, look at how those people changed. Look at how Peter changed. They distanced themselves from him. Um, they, they, they wanted him crucified. They denied knowing him. Um, the distancing that took place in just five days and in, in just a short period of time, look at how the world has been distanced in so many ways as well. But at the same time, God takes the, the lemons, if you will, makes lemonade out of all this pain and sorrow, and he makes good. You know, G, you know, Peter denies Jesus three times. Jesus foretells him of it. And then after the resurrection, Jesus comes back. Um, the uh, uh, I believe it's the second, the second time that um, he sees the... Uh, disciples, uh, second or third, I'm sorry, I can't remember this exactly, but the second or third time Jesus sees the disciples and they're out fishing and, you know, he tells them to cast the net on the other side of the boat. And of course there's all the fish and they know it's the Lord. Peter jumps in the water. You know, eventually the story leads to the disciples coming on the beach and they're sharing breakfast with them. And Jesus, um, asked Peter three times, do you love me? And the third time it perturbs Peter. Well, the, the relevance of that is that tells him three times because that's how many times Peter denied him, but he also foretells of Peter's death to come and how it will be painful and it'll be in ways he doesn't, um, he doesn't want to do, but you know, the, this, this distancing is healthy because I think a lot of ways people, if they haven't realized that they're not in control, um, I don't know what, what more we need to help us understand we're not in control. And, and for those of all of us that have, you know, maybe did more time with the Lord. We've, we've had it for six weeks and we have more coming up still. And I hope we're using this time. Um, you know, the, the title of my talk was facing fears and, um, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. We all have our fears. I remember growing up with a fear of snakes when I was a young boy. And I remember I held my first snake at uh, reptile gardens out in South Dakota, rapid city. And uh, it was a big python, and I was terrified. But the only reason I wanted to hold it was because I didn't want to be afraid anymore. Um, I'm still afraid of snakes, <laughs> but I still pick them up once in a while. Um, but the thing I think with fears that people have to understand is that most likely you may never get over your fear of something. But what you can get over is the the ability of that fear to control you. And when you when you can 
when you can teach yourself how to face fears and go after them um, and, and, and pursue them, you, you, you encounter a, a lot of, uh, you know, you faith, you find God in a lot of ways there. Um, I know for me in my life, when I hit my, uh, my turning point, when I became a business owner, I was in a really tough spot. I was, I was, um, you know, I was being leveraged at work by a, uh, by a boss that uh, didn't have any morals and ethics. And I, I prayed for him and even told him when he asked me why I was doing what I was doing, because I was, I was putting myself deeper in the box. I, I looked at him and told him, I'm trying to save your soul. I said, did you ever think that maybe God put me here at this place in time and let you do what you're doing to me just so I could help you see how far you've fallen and I want to help you. And, um, and that hit him pretty hard. But then of course, you know, people go back to their ways. Um, so how do we face our fears? What I found in my life, the more I face my fears, the more I've realized how to confront evil, um, that there's going to be suffering and persecution. But, you know, I, Jesus said, you know, we, we wouldn't be alone. And he's right. And granted, it can feel like we're alone at times, but he's always there with us. He's always there to help us and to guide us. Um, a couple of quotes of scripture that I want to mention in, in relation to facing our fears in John 15, uh, verse eight, Jesus spoke of the world's hatred and that the disciples would be persecuted as, as he would be soon. Um, but he tells them not to be afraid. He even goes on in chapter 16 to say, they will expel you from the synagogues. Now, if we really apply this to what's going on in the world around us, just look at what's happening. You know, um, uh, Bill did a great job referencing, you know, church has been taken away, you know, you know, whether God did that or just let the natural free will of people subjecting themselves to more evil rather than to him and his ways, you know, we can go a lot of directions on that. It's pretty deep and heavy, but the, uh, the idea I think he was referencing on that is that, um, you know, they'll expel you from the synagogues. Well, that's leaders. It's all sorts of people, but we can't even go to church right now. And in some States there's governors who have been arresting and citing people for trying to assemble. Um, and this is kind of moving into the next, you know, the final part of my talk here tonight, and that's on the U.S. Constitution and the Founding Fathers. And I had an interesting conversation with Alan, who actually lives in Canada. We were talking a little bit about this uh, the other night as we were getting ready for this show about um, just how how different living in um, a government structure like he has in Canada and how, you know, the, the structure we have in the States here. Not that ours is better, but, um, you know, moving into this a little bit, Founding fathers were amazing. Ken, if you can put a couple of those photos up, I'm going to actually move my table. Sorry, I'm outside of my porch and the sun's shifting. I keep getting a glare, so I do apologize for that. Um, you know, the I remember I was in a, I was uh, in surgery, not not surgery for myself. I was in medical device sales, and I was a medical de, uh, medical device sales rep, and I was uh, covering a knee surgery with a physician here in Colorado Springs. And uh, I was told not to talk to him. He didn't like anybody talking to him. And those of you that know me know I love to talk, so that wasn't going to happen. And uh, I kind of broke the ice a little bit with him during surgery, and I could tell he was a little irritated. But I really wanted to get to know this guy. I wanted him, I wanted him to trust me. I wanted him to know that um, I wasn't just some you know rep that was there to make money. I, I, I cared about what he was doing. I was interested in his patients, the, the people that were in the room. And I said to him, I said, what do you enjoy doing um, on your free time? And he kind of stopped. He was in the middle of, of doing a total knee. And he stopped. He turned and looked at me. He goes, um, I love Thomas Jefferson. And I said, really? I said, what do you love about him? And he starts, he literally stops the surgery during tourniquet time. And he starts telling me all about 
what he loved about Thomas Jefferson. I said, you know, I love Thomas Jefferson too. He said, really, how so? And I said, well, I did my graduate research and published my first paper in a professional journal using the Lewis and Clark expedition as an analog for considerations for future human missions to Mars. And he goes, really? He goes, what did you find? I said, well, I really wasn't researching Jefferson. I was researching Lewis and Clark and the expedition and everything that was going on as I was reading their di daily diaries. But what I learned as I, as I was in this research is I kept learning more and more about Thomas Jefferson and not so much just his brilliance and his, and his intelligence. You know, he was such a future thinker. He was predicting things 20 years. I mean, he knew 20 years before the Louisiana territory was, was to be purchased. He knew France would put them, was putting themselves in a position that they could get leverage to have to sell it, to continue to finance a war because, um, because of all their military ego. And so, you know, what I stumbled across with, with Jefferson was that he discovered and his goal was to help other people, Americans that were, you know, going to support the revolution in this, this, this new America, helping them discover their rights. And how he explained the rights weren't that, you know, everybody just, you know, should, should have these rights. It was that the discovery was that these rights were always there. They always belonged to humanity. But they were God-given rights, which, you know, if you read the Declaration of Independence, it says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with, uns with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, I think that pretty much sums up the, the importance of the creator. I mean, he gave us these, these rights. You know, first of all, we have to recognize them, but then we have to, we have to understand how to fight and protect and defend them. You know, and in, in, in the United States, we have a unique opportunity to push back and say no if, if it goes against the constitution it's unlawful any law that that is written that defies the constitution will get overturned in courts i mean the, that's what the courts are designed to do assuming that they do their job but um you know i just i want to share some a, a few quotes of um uh of some of the founders that i was was reflecting on here this week and then um and then joe if you have some questions and and you know, if any callers, uh, folks that are watching want to ask some questions and we have some time, we can do that as well. Um, John Adams, our Constitution was made only for only religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. I remember when I read that about a week ago, it was the first time I'd ever seen that quote. Uh, I All I could think of was that, wow, do I dare share this publicly right now? I mean... To, to say that our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people, that's a very, very strong statement, especially the last part when it's only made for a religious people. Um, but if you think about it, the constitution, it, it works, but it doesn't work well when people aren't religiously aligned. Um, it doesn't mean that, but they have to be respectful of religious boundaries. When you have people that aren't religious, that aren't respectful of religious people trying to apply the constitution it doesn't work and you see these people politicians you hear people on facebook if you've you know posted any kind of opinion thread and seen some of the feedback you can almost guarantee who you know is and isn't of the faith but you know again i have i have family and i have friends that uh that don't practice faith um anymore and many of them are not attacking of religion they're respectful of the fact that people have other belief systems and that's what our constitution was also designed to protect is both the religious and the non 
but it wasn't that we force a religion on people and it wasn't that we take one away from those that want to want to to have one and the minute those things start to happen that's that's the inadequacy of this government that john adams talks about in this quote um benjamin franklin you know this comes into virtues and this is what alan was talking about in his talk tonight only a virtuous people are capable of freedom as nations become corrupt and vicious they have more need of masters um the virtues you know the seven catholic virtues that uh um that many Catholics know I'm not going to get into the virtues with you here tonight, but, you know, consider ourselves as a society. Are we virtuous? If you go and you look up the virtues and read what they are, do we follow these? I mean, these are things that are pleasing to God. These are, these are things that God's asked us to do. If we're not going to do these things and we're not going to respect religion, then this constitution is going to fall apart. And as someone once told me, you know, the, the you know, I don't believe it, but his statement would be true that the American experiment has failed well, it fails if we lose our morals and we lose we lose our protection of of these these human rights that have been endowed by our creator so you know i i love tying the religion to our history and our founders and the constitution because to me this last six weeks even though i've been crazy uh working and 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 you know growing my business and and trying to help you know provide work to all the people that have supported my business and that work with me um it's really been a religious and a, and a patriotic reflection because of the times our founders went through. They were in a struggle. They were in a battle for freedom. They were about to engage in a war against the, the world's largest army. Um, you know, they, they basically told off the, the king in so many words. It was the Declaration of Independence. They knew there was a price on their head. I mean, I, I hear so many people telling me to be careful what I say. You know, don't get in trouble. You know, don't upset people that's just not me and people that know me well know I'm just not one to, you know, zip my lips and be quiet. If it's, if it's not right, I'm going to speak it. And, um, you know, we, we have to gain well, that I think, courage. Uh, I, and think again, Bill, uh, I think Matt, that, um, a big part of, uh, being an American is, uh, is our ability to, to speak out. And, uh, you know, Ben, ben Franklin, uh, told the, I think some woman asked him one time, I, I read this somewhere that, uh, you know, what, what what kind of a government uh, do do we have now? And he says, well, we have a republic if you can keep it, meaning uh, you're going to have to fight for it. Uh, you know, it's not going to be easy. And like you said, it, it is a government uh, for more moral people and religious people. And uh, when the religion slides, this country will slide, uh, as it has in so many other parts of the world. Uh, I mean, you know, look at some of the communist countries. Do you want to... Do you want everybody to be uh, run by uh, Kim Jong Un or uh, or China today? Uh, I don't think so. This is like the country that the only really major country left that is run still run by the people. Uh, you know, sometimes we don't think that way, but compared to other countries, yes. And it's only going to be there, like you were saying, is is if we uh, we fight for it. You know, absolutely. We fought, and, you know, we fought yeah, the uh, American Revolution and we have to fight that American Revolution today. We have to fight that all yeah. the time because this, yes. this you know, we don't we, we don't want to like incur that. exactly. You know, and, and when we say fight, you know, for those listening, fighting isn't just picking up a gun and going out and, and you know, and creating a bloodbath with a with a battle. There's a lot of ways that you fight. You fight. You know, the, the first things that were trying to do is they were trying to send their complaints to the king, but he kept ignoring them. 
you know, I think I think many of us have been doing that. Um, I go up to the Capitol in Denver. I haven't gone this year. Obviously, things got cut short with the sessions um, with the coronavirus, and so my opportunity this year um, passed me. But the last three years, I've gone up uh, more and more each year, and uh, you know, I've voiced my opinion. I've 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 won over the hearts of senators and congressmen and brought them down to um, to where we live to talk with school district officials about how we could make our schools safer and put an end to this school shooting nonsense and all the things we've been advocating for to protect youth with our consulting work and the, the great group of guys that I've been fortunate to work with me and give me counsel and mentoring and feedback. Um, it, it was ironic when this, when this virus hit, every single thing we've been working towards to protect children was taken care of in one clean swoop. Um, kids aren't going to school. There's no more school shootings. Our kids are safe at school because they're at home. Um, there's no more indoctrination. There's no more attack on religious beliefs through little slide-ins in the academics, um, even, you know, in the public education sector, because now everything's coming through online and no, you know, teachers wouldn't dare put anything on because parents, you know, that are paying attention wouldn't let it happen, but things can slide at school when they're there. Um, you know, use sports and the, a lot of the damage that, you know, even though sports are, you know, well-intended, the opportunity often is meant to let sports be a mechanism to teach young boys, as an example, excuse me, how to be better fathers, how to be good husbands when that day may come, if it comes for them, how to teach them how to be a good team player, how to listen, how to care about others before themselves. And, you know, as a former elite athlete, I, I'm I'm very disappointed, and I'd even go as far as to say is very disgusted at times seeing what sports has turned into. It's it's turning kids into cash cows. Um, it's turning, um, you know, it, it's idolizing athletes that that present their immoral compass. Not that it becomes something later down the road. I mean, they're they're that way. A lot of them from from the get go. And there's a lot of great athletes out there. Don't get me wrong, but it's just the the whole point that that we're missing the boat on what these things are meant to be for our, our children. They're supposed to, you know, influence them in positive ways. They're supposed to encourage them to be good people. But, you know, you lose your, again, you go back to John Adams quote, you lose your morals. Um, you lose, and, and where do you get your morals from? You know, I mean, we get those from the commandments. We get those from God, whether we believe in God or not. You ask a person, why is it wrong to kill somebody? And they don't have a religious faith. Well, how do they know that? I mean, you step on plants all day long, you might go hunt. You know, how do you know that that's wrong? You know, it's a commandment. So you get into all these debates, you just go round and round with people. But the fact of the matter is, is that we have to really recognize, as, as Bill said, that, um, you know, we're, we're, we're being subjected to our own, our own mess. We created this. God gave us free will. We've created it. And he's given us an opportunity to get out of it. And, and how we find that path is through prayer and discernment on letting him show us individually where that path is. We all have a, a role to play in fixing things, if you will. And, um, you know, to just deny it and try to use, you know, our human common sense, if you are our intelligence to fix it, we're just going to create a bigger mess. We've got to let him guide, right. take the reins and, and, and recognize he's in, he's in control and he'll guide us. Very good. Right. That's uh, man. Uh, excellent talk tonight. Um, there's so much there uh, you know, we could go on for another hour just trying to uh, uh, decipher all that that you were saying. But that, that's terrific. I mean, uh, praise God. Um, you know, that uh, the main thing is that uh, this country can be a great country. Any country can be a great country if the people are, are Christ-centered and following uh, 
and following Christianity, I, I believe, um, because that, that to us is, of course, the, the truth, the follow, the real truth. Um, but, uh, hey, I, I, I want to just stick with the time. We said we we're going to wrap it up at 9 o'clock, and I, I want to thank you again uh, for a great talk. I want to thank all of our uh, speakers tonight. Um, uh, Al Smith out of uh, uh, Canada. We had to go all the way to Canada to find, to find him. Um, and uh, Bill Parsons out of Cleveland, and of course Matt out of Colorado Springs. And that that uh, scenery behind you just looks fantastic. So I, I kind of envy you. Oh, thank you, um, thank you. We're very there. blessed. We love it here. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Okay, God bless you. Um, Thanks again, Joe. I think we're. Th- thank you, Matt. Thank you again. I, God I bless. Just, yeah, Joe. I'm going to Go just Ken. say I'm just going to say thank you for everybody watching on Facebook on Joe Miller's YouTube channel and Patrick Hart. And we were also on Podbean and airing on TuneIn over at Patrick Hart. So thank you for everybody watching tonight. It was a lot of uh, conversation. So uh, great job to everybody. Um, I just wanted to say uh, thanks to everybody also in the chat room for watching uh, all night. So there you go. And Ken, thanks to you too for uh maneuvering all this you had the tough part you had to <laughs> think about it for a minute just with the new technology we have we're going to another country we're going to the west coast we're going to cleveland uh you're coordinating all of that with the technology so it's really amazing and you know we hope to do some of this again uh very soon yep okay well till then uh we'll uh wrap it and uh thanks for coming uh on uh we'll hopefully do another one we'll have everything on our uh, fiat ministry uh, youtube channel uh, you can definitely watch this all the talks over again uh, have the whole uh, conference on the youtube channels and uh, please subscribe to uh, actually subscribe to joe miller's show um, on the youtube and also patrick hart uh and make sure to check out all the websites. Uh, they were underneath all the speakers, Al and Matt's. Uh, Bill will get a, a, a website someday. I, I think he'll get one. But uh, until then, uh, we will call it a night. And God bless. And we'll God see bless. you. Good night, everybody. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today.